Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Danny Bader joining me today. Danny, thanks for joining me on the show. No, you're welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. So Danny is a best-selling author and inspirational speaker whose life was transformed by a near-death experience more than 20 years ago. Started his own company in 2007 that focuses on helping others truly understand themselves by creating a powerful vision for their futures. So we thought we would, yeah, we definitely have to dive into that, I think. But so we start with, with your background, if that's okay. So could you share yeah. with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. Thanks. Yes. So I was born outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, here in the U.S., and um, had a very normal upbringing. I had—I was one of eight children. I have six brothers and a sister, so we had a big, loving family where we were, uh, you know, always keeping an eye on one another and, and and sometimes having some disagreements with one another. But you know, a great, um, great uh, growing-up years, and then went to the university and studied um, business and accounting and got out of there and took some sales jobs and things. Um, the jobs that I took initially, the sales jobs were not real appealing to me and I was just trying to figure myself out then, you know, try to find that purpose as we often talk about. So I was, ten I was tending bar and I was working as a roofer for two friends of mine that had a roofing company. Ah. And, uh, July 28th, 1992 is when, when we had the event that you spoke about. So, my buddy Bruce and I were lowering a ladder at the end of the day and, and we thought we were going to be clear of these electric lines and we, we hit them by about a quarter of an inch was the burn mark. Um, and they had about eight to 10,000 volts of electricity in them. So it came down and it went in down the metal ladder, obviously it went into both of our bodies, Bruce and myself. And, um, you know, it killed both. It killed both of us. Yep. And, um, you know, I came back tragically. My friend Bruce didn't, he was married with three kids. Uh, little children, you know, they lost their dad and their husband that day. He was only 36. So, um, yeah, somewhat of a, a significant event in my life that really kind of slowed me down, so to speak, and really caused me to go on that, uh, that deeper into that journey of trying to figure out, you know, what did I really want to do with my life? And, and it was a dark path. You know, I wrote about it in a first book here back from Heaven's Front Porch. It's a story of a young man named Jake, and uh, it's very much based on what happened with me. So as, as you can imagine, I had a lot of post-traumatic stress, a lot of blame of myself for the accident. You know, I screwed up. It was my fault. You know, so substance abuse and some of those other things that we turn to that don't, don't really solve anything. But, um, you know, that, that was the event. So leading up to that, 28 years of age, I had a pretty easy life. And then uh, for a few years after that, it was not at all. No. How, because we, we often hear certain, certain moments or certain people's recalling the, the idea of having these near-death experiences or something that, that really changed them like, as a result of it, whether it be positive or negative. Sure. I mean, this is just me being a little bit curious now versus yeah. you know, trying to get any, because I've never had it. So this is going to be like a, a new thing for me. It's always nice to to learn something new. But sure. were you because you you had enough information to, to write a book about it? Yes. So how much of the experience were you aware of? What happened? I mean, you you. I'm assuming you came back. So I don't know if. Oh sure. Yeah. I'm, if, I'm, if you were conscious of that or what the experience was like, I mean, to, to talk to us about that. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the book is, is very much about Jake's journey, you know, Jake being Danny uh, after the accident. So what happened is when, when we hit the electric lines, I had a, an absolute surge through my body. I thought that I was shot or I thought there was a nuclear explosion. I mean, that's the, the conscious thought I had very quickly because it was just unlike anything I had ever felt before. And that happened in a, in a split second. And then after that, I had an absolute calm. Um, it was as if I knew I was dying and I was okay with it. Uh, it, was, it was a very peaceful experience. And I saw Stu, the other brother who worked with us, he was on the roof. So I saw him coming down off the roof. He had turned and I was yelling to him, you know, get your brother, get your brother, get Bruce. Because I knew I wasn't yelling to help me, save me, anything like that, because I was having this experience of not being here anymore, that I was, that I was crossing over. And then my soul, my energy, life force, you know, we all have our different beliefs around that, but that, that left my body. So I, I was here engaging with Stu, trying to yell to him, get Bruce, and then it was just pulled away. So I really didn't hover over the scene for long. I saw the scene. You know, I remember the, the dump truck backed in against the house and, you know, as I said, trying to communicate with Stewie to get his brother. And then I was just pulled away. And the best way I, I can describe is very hard part of the book to write because you're trying to describe in, in English language of this world an experience that was not of this world. So my editor, I remember they said, well, just keep going. You, you know, you'll get it right. People, people will get it. So the best way for me to describe it is I was joined with um, – an energy, an absolute love, a peace um, that I believe is God. That, that's my belief. Mm -hmm. and I was communicating with this, and it wasn't words, though. And at one point in the communication, I said, what about my mom and what about my girlfriend, Lisa, who's my wife now? And as soon as I did, that's when my body back on the ground just went like that. I was laying there, and I just opened my eyes, and I was back. It was as if somebody almost plugged in like a toy, you know, one of those toys yeah. that moves or whatever, and, and plugged it in, and it just went like this. Now, the interesting thing is um, I heard then, I heard Stu was working on his brother, trying to revive his brother, and I couldn't move initially because I had all the, you know, the pins and needles from the electricity, and our body is mostly water, so it was kind of a numb feeling. My motor skills were not working. And then maybe a minute or so after that, you know, coming back, I, I got up and I, I crawled. I didn't stand, but I just crawled over to where Stu was working on his brother. And when I crawled up next to him, you know, he looked at me and he's like, how are you here? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know, but here, let me, let me help. So, I, you know, I was doing mouth to mouth and, and Stu was doing chest. And then the paramedics came because, see, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know what transpired in that time. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on that. But the paramedics then arrived, you know, so it must have been, I don't know, eight minutes, 10 minutes, you know, after the accident. And they just saw the two of us working on another guy, you know, so they didn't know that I was hit by the electricity. So ah, I, okay. I kind of crawled over against the fence because they said, we got this, you know, you guys give us some room. And my feet were killing me. So I, I, I said to myself, I looked down at my boots and they had little tiny holes in them. And then I took my boots off and my socks had holes in them. And then I took my socks off and my feet had holes in them, but they weren't bleeding. So, so the first line of the book is why is there no blood? Because that's the question I asked myself. See the electricity, yeah. the electricity cauterized everything on the way out, you know? So uh, it yeah, makes sense. 
Yeah, it blew, blew a hole, but it burned the end of the blood vessels. So I, I'm sitting there looking into holes in my feet, right, trying to figure out what, what is going on right here. Stu comes over to me and he says, you know, what happened? And I said, I guess, I guess we hit the, the wire. And he said, I know, I heard you. And this is where it gets interesting. And I said, yeah, I know. I saw you coming down the ladder. I was yelling to you, get Bruce, get Bruce. And he looked at me, God rest his soul, Stewie passed a couple of years ago. Uh, he looked at me and he said, you didn't say anything. I said, no, I was, I was yelling to you coming down the ladder. He said, no, he said, I came down the ladder and I went right to you and, and you were in fetal position. And I rolled you over and your eyes were all rolled back and you had foam all over your mouth and you had no heart rate, no respiration rate. And he said, I tried CPR on you for minutes and then I just gave you up for dead. And I ran across the street, called 911, then ran back past me and went to his brother. So that, you know, all, all of that wasn't there anymore. You know, people go, how long was that? I go, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I was having this other experience. So... When I would ask Stu, he'd said, I don't know, six minutes, eight minutes. But he said, there's no question that you were dead. Right, so that, that, that sort of gives you the impression then that, that time passed differently for you than it did for them. Because from, from what you said, that, I mean, I could be wrong, obviously, but it seems to have passed slower for you than it did for everybody else. Because it seems like there wasn't a lot that happened your end. Right, but it just seemed like you know your your friend was had the, the time to to try CPR on yourself and then mm -hmm. go back and, and phone nine one one and then come back and all that time you sure. you probably didn't realize that had happened. So it seems it seems that the the time aspect seems to play a part in that. Oh sure, yeah. I was I, it, 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 the best way to describe it is I was there and then I wasn't. Mm, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so what what I say and what I offer people is. Um, there's an energy in all of us that I believe makes our body work. It's not our heart. It's not our brain. I mean, we need those things, but it's an, it's an energy. I believe, you know, it, it's, uh, I'll refer to it as a divine energy. And um, I don't think I'm so special that I'm the only one that has it. I think you have it. I think we all have it. And you know, when, when our body stops, there's a part of us that continues on. And, and that's what happened to me. And it was, um, it was beautiful and wonderful and, peaceful and loving and I sure want to make sure that I get back there again I'm in no hurry right now you know I've got three <laughs> kids and a family and I'm enjoying it but for people that are, are maybe listening that go wow what's it really like is there something after this there is absolutely something after this and, mm -hmm. and I believe that that having that union with that 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 love that being that God um, you know a lot of it depends on, on how we live our lives here you know so, for, for what you, you said there, and it's, it seems a lot of it was electrical, and is, is that why you use the term energy, or is that just what it feels like? Because a lot of people, as you mentioned, they all have different beliefs, they all use different words that can mean yeah. the same thing, or mean something slightly different. It's, it's always hard when we start to try and describe things as, yeah. as we think that they are or as we perceive that they are. Someone else might have the same experience as you, but might mm. describe it differently. Sure. So what, what conclusions did you draw then that, that meant that it was energy rather than perhaps, you know, it, it could be anything else. It could be, be, be made of, of glue for all for all I know so it's just having the 
the, the ability to describe it in that way, was that based on what you felt or was it based on, I mean, it, it could also mean to do the experience itself being actually electrocuted means that, well, that's probably why it felt like electricity or energy. I mean, I could be wrong. Mm. I'm just trying to connect what you said. So, yeah. so, is, so how, how, how did you go about describing it? Is, is it because of like how we would understand it or was it something else? No, no, that's great. And it's really not right or wrong. You know, it's just, it's, um, as you said, how we would describe it. So the word energy that I use really doesn't have any connection to the fact that it was an electrical accident and, you know, those eight to 10,000 volts, which we would call electricity energy, right? It's just a, a word that I use, um, you know, the, in my mind that, you know, if I, if I think about my soul, right, our, our soul is, is the spiritual essence of a man or a woman. I mean, that, that to me is, is, is an energy, you know, uh, uh, you know, Star Wars, a life force, right? Yoda might say, mm, the force is strong in this one. <laughs> so it doesn't, it, and again, I'm like you, I wouldn't get hung up on the vernacular. Yeah. I, I just know, it, you know, and, and the way that it changed is, and on the cover of the book, it says, that, you know, at 345, I believed in heaven. At 415, I knew because that's about the time of the accident. So I just know that there's another state that we are going to evolve to as, as we move through this human experience. There's no question for me. There's just no question. I always believed yeah. it growing up, you know, based on my beliefs that my parents, you know, taught me and raised me within a, a religious organization and a structure. And, um, but this is not so much about the, the, the religion, you know, the, the, organiza the organization, more so about, about the belief that we have, you know. The, the religion is just the structure around that belief that we all have. You know, I, I, I would just encourage people to yeah, believe in something bigger at work here and connect with that as best you can in this life because we don't have to wait till we die to connect it. It's very much available now, you know. And I think the world's a better place if more of us get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's something that um that I watched. I think th think it was a Doctor Who episode, right? So after forgive me if you don't we don't like Doctor Who, but uh, uh, there was there was um a show that was to do with the afterlife, right? And, yes. and death. And if you, if you are a Doctor Who fan, then you you might remember it. If you're not, then you'll have to just bear with me. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the, that's they had a conversation about the the extra place all right and it like well what happened after we die or all that sort of thing mm -hmm. and the way the way the guy explained it i mean it, it was i think it, i think it was a comedian I think it was chris edison i think that's his name i might be getting the name wrong but but he said that like if if all the babies in the world that were in like the, the womb and, and they were growing and everything if they could talk to each other let's just say what mm -hmm. would they say that they're their life was like you know what what would they say that living was is that well they say well living's about nine months and then you we don't, we don't know what happens after that we, we could we could be dead we could be in another place we could be whatever the, you know whatever you know we will all have that they'll all have different beliefs about what their life was like because they don't know any different right yeah. it's kind of the and it made me think, well, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's not, it's not actually possible, I don't think, to the rest of my knowledge. Babies can't communicate. But it sort of says, well, we, we have all of these conversations about what happens afterwards. Right. Because we don't know any different. 
Right. It's like we don't know what happens, so we come up with these stories that are more likely to be true. Sure. But but like you could end up like going to this other place and then you know, right? It's like that experience that that you said. Like we have all these beliefs, but we don't know unless we go. Like there's no way that we can actually confirm it until we actually go. And um, yeah, no, it was just uh, the, the analogy that you said. It was like, oh, that 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 makes it. It makes like a strange amount of sense. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when you hear it and you sort of think, well, I suppose like, not, you can't. It isn't something that you can actually form an argument against. Yeah, um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I, I don't. And when I when I talk with people, you know, I used to get early on. You know, we, we people would argue whether you know maybe just you passed out. You know, you were just unconscious, you had a dream, and I used to get defensive a little bit, and now I just go, you know, whatever you want to think is fine. You know, I'm, yes. I'm, not, I'm not here to convince anything. I'm merely stating, you know, what happened. And I believe that when your body stops and everybody else, there, there's that energy, the soul, the spirit, it's going to continue on. You know, I, I know that to be true. So other people have had experiences where they, you know, they, they go and, and you know, they, they've been pronounced dead here, but they're still in their body, you know, and, and they may go and they may see other relatives that are still in their body, you know, and, and certainly hear about the white light in the tunnel. Um, that, was, that was not my experience, you know, but, but Stu pretty much validated that he said you were dead. You were dead when I got to you. You weren't responding to CPR. I ran across the street. I ran back past you, and you were still dead. And then you came back. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't get too attached. Now, it's interesting, but you said, though, you, you know, we have further to go or we go somewhere else. There's no question I had, I had further to go in that evolution, that afterlife, heaven, um, and it was almost as if when I asked about my mom and my girlfriend at the time, and I expressed concern for them, that was the catalyst where I just was right back in my body. And as I've read different accounts from people who have had similar, similar experiences, most of them say they were sent back or they came back when they expressed concern and love for somebody else. You know, so if I look at it, that's the ultimate behavior the ultimate commandment that we have you know love one another and that's what i did and came back so it wasn't as if i i needed to come back to you know make more money or big i never you know there's a part of my life that i didn't um feel accomplished in or didn't hit my goals it was just an expression of love and concern for another person but when i had that conversation so to speak it was almost as if i had the choice to come back or not that's why i call it back from heaven's front porch because if you think, Michael, if you're at somebody's home and you're on the front porch, you're there, right? But you're, yeah. you're, you have further to go. And that, that's kind of where I was, you know? And, I, and, and, and my memory of that right now, you know, that cosmic experience, it just, you know, it, it always brings a smile. It's very comforting to me. Yeah, it's, it seems like the, um, the old stories that you used to hear of, of ghosts that have unfinished business. You know, sure. that, that's why they, that's why they come back. It's almost like the, um, the, the idea of you showing concern for somebody else was your, was your way of having the, the extra to do, you know, the, the more stuff that you needed to do before you were finished, you know, like before you right. were like, it was almost like saying that you're not done yet. You know, that's you've it. got, you've got a lot more to do. So what, what happened next for you? So after that, then, um, 
That was 28. And then I, I got married about a year after that. And then the, the following year, I had a, um, uh, our first child and then kind of just settled into married life and, and father life. I would say it probably took me about two years to really start to feel better mentally, you know, inside of my head. Because um, that, 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 you know, obviously an, an accident like this, and we all have our stories, and, that, you know, this is just mine, that, that really screwed me up pretty good. So then I worked in corporate America for a little while, uh, and then I left, and that's when I started to pursue. In about 2005 or so, um, I started to get into the education world within corporate America, running workshops and trainings and things like that around leadership and, and some personal growth things. And then I left that company and then went to work for a few other companies. I worked for a guy named David Allen. David wrote a really cool book called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. So I worked for him and uh, his, his people for five years. And then I worked for another organization firm for three. And then uh, that's when the book came out. And that's, uh, I turned 50 years old and I kind of had, I don't know if it was 50 years old or whatever, um, but I had that restlessness where I said, you know what, I, I got to go do my own work now. So that's what I do. You know, I'll do keynotes, creating a happy and fulfilling life. I talk about the five principles in the book I call Jackrabbit, right? So you and I were talking about that a little bit. Um, so when I, when I came back and I went from, you know, 28 years of age, pretty, pretty screwed up. And then I went to this coaching program and at the end of the coaching program, I had to do a project. One of them was to build a model, you know, a model built on principles. So I thought to myself, what principles have I practiced that took me from that, that very dark place as a human being to now being, you know, married, a father of two and, and reasonably, reasonably well adjusted. And I started to reflect. So the, there's five principles of jackrabbit. Jackrabbit would be the methodology. Uh, the first one is to develop vision, right? To always have the ability to imagine what needs to be real for yourself. Um, the second one is to practice stillness or to be still, right? Meditate, prayer, journal, let, let yourself renew. Um, the third one is to seek support from other people and also to be support, to make sure that we give back to others. Um, the fourth one is to know thyself, as our friend Socrates uh, offered to us so many years ago, right? You always hold up that mirror and look at yourself, your thinking, your mindset, your beliefs. And then the last one is to evolve, just to undergo continuous and gradual change and growth. So I kind of wove those into the book. So the character in the book, Young Jake, he meets people and that each impart one of these principles on him. So it was kind of my way to say, okay, here, here's what I've practiced over the past years that, that helped me get better after that accident and, you know, put it into story form was a, a little bit more creative. I call it jackrabbit. I know you asked um, what, before we got recording here. The jackrabbit, when I was looking to name it and, and name the company, the jackrabbit of all the animals in the animal kingdom has really good eyesight. Its eyes are far back on its head and high up on its head. So if a jackrabbit is kind of sitting there in the desert, it has a full awareness of its surroundings, which I think is so important for us as people, right? Mm, to be full, yeah. fully aware of what's going on in our life, right? Our health, our wealth, our relationships, our spirituality, our career, just to make sure we don't, we don't lose any, any, any sight of that, you know? You were going to share with us as well why you actually write it. If you were to write the, the jackrabbit, it's got no vowels in it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. So I just took the vowels out because um, I, I don't, let me see here. I think I got one probably. I, um, I've got some t-shirts and things. There's the five principles. So I, I took the vowels out. Um, I took the vowels out simply because I think it looks cooler on a t-shirt than the whole word. <laughs> and it's, it's actually on my, it's on my Jeep as well. I drive a Jeep and the license plate is JCKRBBT just to kind of keep me um, reminded of, yeah. of how I want to live my life and, and when I get off track to kind of come back to it. What was it like when you wrote the book and then you decided, Paul, we're going to turn this into a business now? What was that conversation like? Because there could be a lot of people that have a story. They probably have a similar story to you. I know, I know I have my own story as well. Sure. Um, at what point did you decide to go from story to business? And what was the, what was the conversation like to get you started? And... Well, what was it like to go through that process? Because, I mean, from, from my own experience, I, I had moments when it was like, well, am I good enough to make a business out of it? Like, it's just, it's just a story. It's something I've, it's just me. You know, you always have that bit of a disconnect from sure. like you being able to turn it into a business rather than just you being you to a certain right. degree. Right. So what was the conversation like and how did you get things off the ground? So, yeah, the conversation for me was very similar to the one you experienced, you know. I had thought about going on my own for quite a few years, but I was always held back because I was making a pretty good living, you know, had some stability. And, you know, going on your own, you got to kind of look at your finances and everything and deal with all your self-doubt. So it was a very similar experience. The conversation was, I want to go on my own. And then all those little voices showed up, you know, the beliefs that we have and said, well, what if you can't make it? What if you don't sell enough books? What do you get? all that doubt. So it was just a matter of, of, of seeking support from some people in my life that are, are, are um, huge sources of strength for me. You know, my sister, I've got a couple friends, Joe and Pat, uh, good dear friend, Michael, that just, you know, they, they kind of, you worked through that process. And um, then I got out and I did a couple of workshops and the feedback was real good. You know, so, so I really just used the story as the basis for for Jackrabbit and those principles and kind of weave them in. Now, the Jackrabbit principles, while I, I came up with them, you know, I didn't invent them. They've been around forever. It's just people mm. like me, coaches, authors, we just put our spin on it, right? Stephen Covey had yeah. seven habits. Jack Canfield, sales success principles. I always say there's a guy named Moses had 10 commandments, you know. Danny just, <laughs> has, Danny just has Jackrabbit. We all just come up and say, hey, Here's some principles that if we, if we live by them, we're, we're probably going to produce some pretty cool stuff, you know, for ourselves and, and for our, our family. Um, so, yeah, then the book started to get some pretty good reviews. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of how it, it got started. So it's about uh, three going into my fourth year now. And, um, you know, so far so good. We've got a screenplay for it. I'm working with some folks in Atlanta to um, pitch it to see if we can make a movie out of it. So we'll just, ah, uh, nice. yeah, I've been working on that for a few years and that's, you just got to keep your focus on that. Cause that's uh, that's easier said than done. It seems. So what, what was the, the shift like? So you mentioned that it's, it's hard to focus and it's hard cause you might have so much going on now that you maybe, uh, 
you're struggling in terms of opportunities as in you don't know what to say yes to, what to say no to, because saying mm. yes to things means sowing no, saying no to a whole host of others that you could probably do if you wanted, but because yeah. you said yes to this thing, that means you have to say no to all of these things. I mean, what what was the transition like for you in terms of the, the lifestyle choices, the, the business decisions, just because uh, right. you, went, you went from corporate to now all of a sudden having your own thing. You know, you're now an author, you're now a speaker, you're now a, right. a personality, if you will. What sure. was the transition like for yourself and how, and how did you adapt? Maybe you came up against some, some roadblocks, some things that you had to make very important decisions about before you were able to sure. cope with it to a certain extent. So what was the transition like? Yeah, the transition was, um, it was, you know, difficult like most transitions, for me, what, what was really, you know, in the financial part is, you know, you stop working for somebody and you start your own business. Well, typically there's no revenue coming in. So you kind of had to figure that out. And, you know, m my wife supported me through it. So that's always cool when you have a, a you know, supportive partner. Um, but most of it is, is, is you know, the, the beliefs and the mindset that we have. It's so important for us, especially when we're going through transition. There's a part in the book, one of the characters, um, Paul says to young Jake, you know, life is just a series of transitions, right? We go into school, out of school, into relationships, out of relationships, new jobs, whatever it might be. And Paul said, those that move through the transition, you know, with grace are the ones that see the other side. So that's vision, right? Imagine what needs to be real. You know, and Jake says, what about the other people? And Paul said, well, they just bitch too much, <laughs> right? Which is, oh, I'm stuck in this transition because transition is uncertainty and opportunity and change and you know, the fight or flight shows up in our, in our brain and we want to run away back to safety. So, it, you know, the transition is tough. You know, you, I know you speak with some entrepreneurs once in a while. Mm -hmm. I think is, is one of the, the strongest principles we can practice as human beings, as people, is to, to work with that principle of vision. Imagine what needs to be real in your life. So the way that I work that principle is every year I write a letter to myself from a year in the, into the future. So I wrote everything that happened this year as if it already happened. Health, yeah. wealth, career, family, spirituality. And then that kind of is my, it's, it's an all day event in my outlook every Friday. It's about probably two pages, two and a half pages. So that yeah. is a really good um, North star for me, so to speak, where I can say, okay, this is what I, I, I'm out to, to get, done this year for me and my family and my business and my books and everything else. So yeah. I, I, want, I want to say yes to anything that contributes to this. And, and then I, I got to say no to some other things if it's not contributing to this. Or, you know, if something shows up or if I, if I start to move in a different direction, and then I got I to look at my vision and say, well, this is what I thought I wanted this year, but now I got another opportunity. So this, this is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the, um, this is something that I, used when I was you know when I was like kind of thinking okay I've got to try and just do this for a year to see if it works you know when you, you, you find something that you want to do when you think it take me a year to get it to, to figure it out you know a year just to to see if it works to see if it works for me and all these kinds of things and what, what I actually found um <clears throat> something that I, I don't know if you even heard of it to be fair Danny but um there's something called future me which is basically where you you yeah. write as if you're your future self and it sends yeah. you an email on the date that you want it to and it's oh, like cool. from your future self 
Yeah. So, so it's like um, I used to write myself an email saying, "Oh, really looking forward to the the podcast hitting its twentieth episode, and it's all gone really well. Loving the feedback that I'm getting from the podcast right. and everything else, and I'd set it for a particular date in the future, but right. I had to then live up to that so that the email made sense. That's if it. That makes sense. So, like, if yeah. I if I so if I didn't start the podcast, then I wouldn't, the email wouldn't make sense. So it was almost right. like I had to use it to set goals and talk about how I feel about achieving the things that I've achieved. But That's you write it. it in the present tense, right? So that right, yeah. you're reading the email and going, oh, maybe, you know, I kind of predicted that it had happened, you know? So yeah. I quite like the analogy that, that you use with the, uh, the letter every year as well. It's quite good. Yeah. Have you got any other, any other things that you would recommend for people that wanted to maybe think about their future or even even want to change their future because a lot of people have a, a plan for their future but it tends to be based on where they are at the moment sure. yeah they don't really think about if they wanted a different well, what they need to do with the present to change it i mean what, what would you recommend for those people yeah i would say to work stay in this and i like what you do and, and what i do with the letter that i learned at the coaching school that i went to the uh, hudson institute in santa barbara if some people have vision boards. It's all the same principle, I think. We may just do it differently, which is cool. Yeah. Exercise, right? Exercise is a good principle. And, you know, you can swim. We can lift weights. It doesn't matter. So I would apply that, that vision principle. And here's, here's the question I ask people a whole lot. You know, if, if they're in a certain place right now in their life, you know, you know, they'll, they'll tell me about it. And they'll say, uh, maybe it's not where they want to be with the relationship or, or whatever it might be. And as they're describing it, they're just describing the present state, which is what they don't want, right? So it's, it's not unicorns and rainbows. It's, it's, you know, sometimes life sucks and it's not what we want. So I would then just often ask them and say, okay, well, what's it going to be like when it doesn't suck anymore? What's it going to be like when you can smile easy again? What's it? And then that takes them to the future. So that's the question to keep asking. I ask people, I say, listen, if I see you on December 31st, you know, and I would pose this to you, Michael, and we're together at a party somewhere, and I said, Michael, we haven't talked since April. How's life? And you say, it's fabulous. And I say, why? What happened since April? You're going to talk in past tense about all the cool things that happened in your life. Yeah. That's what you write in the letter. That's it. And then you get back to that. And then what you need to do, of course, is there's action. We got to make sure we're taking the action. Well, what sometimes will prohibit the action is if we have beliefs in a mindset that's not working for us. So we, the vision is the core. It says, okay, this is where we're headed. There's some other things then we have to we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seems it seems like there's there's a lot that can go into this this idea of being a bit more future focused as well. Like there's, de there's a definite correlation with people that are thinking about the future and thinking about the future that they want rather than what they don't want and then the amount of people that even get close to that like the, the last one that I did <clears throat> I was quite close to I wasn't Perfect. exactly there but I was close to it and it would have been better than if I hadn't done anything you know like it wouldn't it's, it. it's almost like it's almost like being too attached to it can sometimes be a negative as well like if I'd have let that if I let that beat myself up, for instance, because I wasn't 100% there, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So there is right this, whole, this whole idea of 
you, you can use the you can use the strategies or the the tools if you want, but a lot of people use them in in almost this this way of beating them up or using it in in a negative light. So, okay. what advice would you give to someone that might be in that position whereby they're using the tools and everything, but yeah. it's almost like they're using it as an excuse to to be negative about what what they're doing. Sure. I would just examine, uh, I would talk to them and they're, as you talk about that, that's just their beliefs, right? So they're, they're just looking at this thing differently. A lot of times people will say to me, you know, I'll read that letter to them and they say, oh my gosh, that's a lot you're going to get done this year. What if you don't get it all done? And I'm the same as you. I say, because I have this area, this letter uh, that provides inspiration and focus for me, I'm getting a heck of a lot more done than if I didn't have it. You're choosing to focus on the little bit that doesn't get done and go, oh, failure, where you, me, I'll look over here and go, success. Got to keep rolling, but we've got some success. So I would work with them on where are these beliefs coming from? And, you know, our beliefs are formed in the past, right? So some, somewhere along the line, they were probably conditioned to think a little bit more negatively about things. Be safe. This won't work. You can't do that which is, is one of the strongest beliefs that, that we have as people. We're not worthy to go out and create, a, you know, a really cool life. So you just have to kind of do some work. You write those beliefs down. They're negative. You look and go, okay, what's the opposite of this belief? And then you write that one down. So over here it says, I'm not worthy. And you just cross it out and go, I can create some really cool stuff in my life. So you just write it down. That's it. And then you look at it. And then here's the key. If that's truly a belief that you have, I can create some really cool stuff in my life. What would somebody that thinks that way do right now? So this is where we got to get off our ass and we have to go do something, right? Take action. Yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many people that that, that learn a lot about the, the the mental side of things and the psychology side of things and the mindset side of things, and it puts them in a position whereby they're doing everything but the actual doing part. Like there's, there's only so many there's only so many times you can meditate and visualize on, on what you want there's only so many times you can yeah. write about it and and actually describe it and do all of those kinds of things there's only so many of those you can do before the only thing that you can actually do is go and do it like there's, there's only so much yeah. that you can almost put yourself in the right place to do it but right. you can still have resistance over actually taking action and from the, the principles that, that you've put so from developed vision which we've just talking about practice stillness you mentioned meditation before mm-hmm. so you can support you you mentioned that it's it's always better to have people around you that that are all sort of supporting your your vision you mentioned your your partner as well which was which was nice that, that you actually had that because mm-hmm. you know there, there is an argument that we don't get very far by ourselves um exactly. And then you said, know thyself as well, which was holding the mirror up to, to try and know who you are a little bit because that can make a lot of things easier and a lot more effective. But what's the, the idea behind Evolve then? Because the, the, those four seem reasonably self-explanatory. Sure. But the, the, but the Evolve one might come across as like, not, I, wasn't, I wouldn't say difficult to understand, but right. I think it might take a little bit of explanation so we can understand it. So talk sure. us through what the Evolve is. Yeah, it's great. So, so the Evolve is, um, you know, as I look at the definition, it's to undergo continuous and gradual change and growth. So very often people will ask me at the workshops, just like you did. They say, okay, I got these other four. 
you know, their, their theory, but you showed us how to do it, right? We wrote a letter in Outlook, so we're actually applying this. How do, how do we do Evolve? And I'll say, just keep doing those other four. So you see, if, if, you're, if you're practicing stillness and you're seeking support and you're being support and you write a good vision for yourself for every year and you continue to do that and, and you, you know yourself and you work on your beliefs and your mindsets, you can't help but to change and grow. So it's really the culmination of those other four. Right, got you. So like the, the, the evolve is like what you experience as a result of doing the other four. Sure, absolutely. All right, cool. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of, of talk, particularly in the, the spaces that I'm a part of. And I, I do work with a lot of people. I mean, I, I don't work with a lot of people that are very successful because they're very successful. And I would rather create more of, of them than try to improve them. Like it seems a bit, seems a bit, no, I wouldn't say easier, but it seems more effective to raise the tide rather than, than to build amazing people up, you know? Like it's just, it oh. seems like a, seems like an easier job, you know, like to, to, to make someone that's very successful, even more very successful. I would rather go, okay, you're struggling. This is how we can get you out of that. Yeah. But I, I also find that there's a lot of people that, they want things quickly, for, for want of a better expression. Like they want results yesterday. They want to be successful with the least amount of work and the fastest amount of time. And the more than prepared to sacrifice a few things in the short term to get there, as opposed to the the long term build, the long term grow, or the evolve, as you mentioned. Sure. So there is there is a conversation to be had about the idea of evolve versus right. getting results quickly so well, what are your thoughts on that so i'm sorry the phone just rang right there i want the thoughts on um you know folks want everything real quick yeah it's it's, it's the idea of like get, get, getting results quickly yeah. and this idea of the constant change right well i think you know the results sometimes people want the results quickly and they want that end game you know and what what i try to work on people is um, let's go, if you take action, as you said, you know, we get off our butt and we go do something, let's evaluate the action and see that as a win. You know, because if we're gonna produce this big outcome, you've gotta understand that's, that's not gonna happen in a week or a month or whatever it might be. So you gotta kinda of work on the people with that. And if they think that the world is perfect, you know, and everything is gonna unfold perfectly without some challenges, there's not too many successful people that would agree with that. They're going to say, oh, no, the world is, is unpredictable. So we have to be a little bit flexible with it. And we have to forgive ourselves when we screw up. We have to learn from it. And then we just have to move on. So a lot of times when those people want those, those, those quick, um, you know, quick results, unfortunately, the, the, the best teacher is just life. They're not going to get them. And sometimes they will, and that's great, but most times they don't, and it's just them. That's part of that evolution. Or they look and they go, hmm, I got to look at this a little bit differently, right? Otherwise, it'd be banging my head against the wall. There's nothing quite like experience, is there? That's it. All right, so just before we... We get to the we're kind of quite close to the end now so we've covered quite sure. a lot we've covered your your principles your jackrabbit um put this way i'm grateful that you made it to the other side of being electrocuted danny because we're able to have this conversation now which was very you know 
very knowledgeable. I've wrote tons of notes. I hope the people listening to this is taking notes as well. And it seems if you're if you're listening to to this and that you've listened to the other episodes, then having a conversation about getting through adversity shouldn't be brand new to you. So we are. We are having a lot of recurring themes on the podcast, Danny, and it's, uh, it's proven to be very, very helpful, I guess, for people to see that it's not just me, it's not just you, it's not just the chosen few that go through these things. There's a lot of people that have their own, their own versions, you know, but we all have yes. our own versions of, of our struggles and, and all that kind of thing. So before we get to the, the last couple of questions, um, where can people go if they want to find out more about you? This is your chance to, to share links and websites and maybe you want to, to give some links for the, the books as well. Okay, great. Thanks. And before I do that, Michael, real quick, I'll just touch on what you spoke about and I'll offer to the listeners that, yeah, you know, I've got my story and there were some challenges and you have yours, but it, it, it is about all of us collectively supporting one another on our challenges, regardless of what it is. So if, if anybody is in one of those challenges right now and, and you kind of feel like, you know, a lot of times people say, I don't have any hope. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that I use that word too much. I would just offer them to trust. Just trust that it's all going to be okay. And they have the resources that they can move through this, right? And to hurt is, is normal. So, so just kind of give yourself a hug, take a deep breath. Seek a little support and imagine what the other side is, is like. You know, Churchill said when we're going through hell, keep going, right? So, so that's what I, I would offer, right, to, to the folks. Um, in terms of, of my little world, um, DannyBader.com. DannyBader.com is the website. It's got a lot of information on there. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel as well, Danny Bader. I've got a podcast. Um, just We have just three um, shows up now. I just started it not too long ago. All right. Yeah, it's called 11 Minutes to Inspiration. And the, the nice. podcasts themselves are not 11 minutes. They might be 18, 22 minutes. But 11 is, is a number that I've come across many, many times. And as I researched it, um, it really is, is a symbol for new beginnings. And, and I think we have an opportunity for that every day, right? So I'd, I'd hope that folks could, somewhere in the conversation with my guests, you know, pick up 11 minutes that would inspire them and plant some seeds. You know, I've got the three books now, Back from Heaven's Front Porch is the first one. Uh, then the second one is a small little business fable. So if you're in business, it's called Abraham's Diner, Simple Wisdom for More Control, Focus, and Inspiration. And then the third one I just came out with uh, just this earlier this month. You can see there, it's called I Met Jesus for a Miller Light. And uh, it's, it's a fictional tale about a young man named Michael that is struggling and some of his friends are struggling in life as well. And, um, you know, I, I tried to get the messages in there for everybody so that we can, we can just keep understanding that while this life is imperfect, uh, it is a beautiful gift and we got to move on. Yeah, definitely. All right. So last question for you, Danny. I asked all, all the guests this. We've had funny answers to very, very entertaining answers, to say the least. And the question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? What the, that's a great question. I would, I would like the world to know uh, about me that I believe in, in the goodness of humanity and, and that we're all connected and we're on this journey together and that we have to be a little bit more conscious and pay attention to one another and, and, and lead with love. That's what I would offer them. 
All right, Danny. Well, thanks for, for tuning in. Hopefully, you can listen to the other episodes and make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. Perfect. Danny, thanks for, for being a guest on the show. I appreciate you carving out the time, right. and I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right, Michael. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, and, and uh, good job with the good work you're doing. Take care.